Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. It says this in verse number 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Somebody say, invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. He said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called uh, the bridegroom and said to him, every man in the beginning sets out the good wine. And when, when the guests have well drunk, I hope none of you have well drunk uh, this week. When the guests have well drunk the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, they went down to Capernaum. He and his mother and his brothers and his disciples did not, sorry, I just went blank there for a minute. It said he and his, where are we up to? Verse 12. His mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Jesus' first miracle was massively significant. It was massively significant, not because he just did the best party trick that has ever been seen uh, to this day. Let me tell you, if if Jesus made a habit of doing that, he would have been invited to every party uh, in the area. When Jesus turned water to wine, he wasn't just doing a miracle that was in that moment. There was so much more that was happening. The Bible makes it clear to us that this was the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee where he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This moment launched a three and a half year period of ministry that has never ever been even rivaled, never will be rivaled. It's the greatest uh, ministry that has ever been known from the dawn of time. And Jesus starts and embarks in a ministry at this moment where he literally shakes the world with the power of God. But it was his first miracle. It was this moment that he embarks into the ministry that God's called him to and something supernatural started in that moment. And he demonstrated more than, look, I can, I can make a wedding go a little better. What he demonstrated in that moment, I want to show you a few things as we get into this uh, message, but this miracle, this, this manifestation of glory, manifestation means a demonstration, an exhibition of God's glory. When he manifested his glory, we see he, he showed us, firstly, he showed us his authority because he showed us he had authority over the molecular structure 
of this planet. So not only is he the creator, but he is the authority over it. It went from H2O, according to my research, it went from H2O to CH3CH2OH. He has authority over the molecular structure. He has authority over cells. He has authority over this planet. He has authority over cells that are going wrong in your body. He has authority over all of these things. He is the final authority on planet earth. If he made it, he can change it. If he made it, he can fix it. If he started it, he can complete it. Why? Because God in that moment, he demonstrated his authority. Do you believe that this morning? And I want to tell you, he still has authority. And do you know the beautiful... Man, I'm getting excited today. Do you know the beautiful thing about God? He's put that authority in us by giving us his name. And we have the authority to do the same things Jesus did. He's given us authority. And you know, he demonstrates that moment authority over time. It should have taken four years for grapes to be planted, harvested and turned into wine. And instead of it taking four years, it took a split second. But they actually said this is the best wine. That should take six years. That's not just a miracle of, uh, uh, of changing one thing to another. He's proven that he is outside of the constraints of time. You may have a challenge that may seem like, man, it's going to take me five years for it to be fixed. Can I tell you, he can do it in a split second. He's the God that takes six-year problems and has one-second solutions. Why? Because he's outside of time. Oh, man, that's good news this morning. Aren't you glad about that? Because I've got some... I got some problems, man. I got a city that I live in that's going to hell. 1.4 million and probably only 200,000 Christians, maybe. And even if half of those aren't really Christians anyway. Not talking about you, talking about the 11 o'clock service, but. (laughs) If it takes us a year to win a thousand people to Christ, it's going to take us 1,400 years, 1,200 years to win a city to Jesus. We don't have that kind of time. So we need the God who lives outside of time to somehow supercharge what we're going to do. That's why we can't just be contained in Ridgehaven. We've got to go out and do more in our city, in our state uh, for the glory of God. Why? Because the hours, we don't have 1,400 years. I don't even know if we've got 14 years. Because I'm hearing a rustling in heaven. You never know when that trumpet of God's going to sound. And we're going to go. Authority. He didn't just show authority in this miracle. He showed us grace. He protected the reputation of the bridegroom. Now, we don't think too much about that. But you've got to know the historical context. For the wine to run out would be almost an act of fraud against the family because the family are basically saying we have all the provisions necessary to create the, 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 the proper customary celebration. And they'd run out of wine. It was, the, it was a massive disaster that would have landed the bridegroom's family in court, and it would have nullified the wedding. God and his grace, not only did God demonstrate his authority, but he still did it in the form of demonstrating his grace to a couple that was setting out to get married and he cared enough about that situation to have the guys back. Isn't it good when God just hooks a brother up? Isn't it, isn't it good when he, he doesn't let the bridegroom get embarrassed? Can I tell you, there's shame that we could walk in. There's so many things in our lives that could easily be exposed and get wrong, but God's not in the business of, uh, of making us look silly. He's in the business of going, you know what? Oh man, you, you didn't quite think this through, did you? But you watch what I can do. Why? Because he's a God of grace. He's a God of kindness. He's a God who turns things around by the power of God. He's interested in our life seasons. I see the grace of God. He's interested just marriage in general, relationships in general. God cares. This miracle shows us that God has authority over the planet, but still cares about the smallest details of our life. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your marriage. 
The first, the first miracle that God... There, I, is it just me? I'm about to come unglued here with, with the goodness of Jesus. This is, this is unbelievable. He cares about the seasons of your life. Mum and dad, he cares about the space that your kids are in. He cares about your home. Maybe you're feeling like your marriage stinks and, and may, maybe you, you, your wife's just a grump. Uh, she doesn't cook and clean like she should. And she doesn't... We serve a God who can turn that around. <laughs> he uses wine to do it. And it. Don't you dare say amen, wife. <laughs> Not only. You know, can I say, I know some Sundays you see me get a bit happy and I say, I'm about to run around this place. I can barely keep in my skin right now when I read about the goodness of Jesus. If that's not enough, he shows us his provision. You go, oh, yes, it was very nice for him to provide a few, few containers of wine. Well, I did some maths. There was 180 gallons, which is equal to 750 bottles of wine. But not any old wine, top wine. And so I know top wine can be like a 1000 bucks. It can be $2,000. But let's just call top wine maybe 80 or 100 bucks. He gave him a wedding gift of $40,000. What a miracle of provision. You're trying to tell me God doesn't care? And you know the funny thing about Jesus turning water into wine? All the old Pentecostals have been trying to turn it back to water ever since. I got bad news. He turned water into wine. And, and I believe that it was fermented wine. Because some people go, no, this wine wasn't fermented. Yet Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. And it's the same word for wine. Friends, I hate to break it to you. It was wine. Don't you yell a big amen. Some of you are like, thank God. <laughs> but not only do we see grace, we see access. Because Jesus was on the ground directly engaged in what was happening in that moment. And they were in proximity with Jesus. And can I say Hebrews, we've quoted it a million times in this church, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he can do now. He still turns water into one. I guess the title of my message, and I forgot to say it before, is when Jesus comes to the party. And I tell you, we use an old term, someone coming to the party means they finally tuned in and got involved. I feel like there's times where we need Jesus to show up at the party and, and do something. But I want to I look at this because the Bible says that he manifested his glory. He manifested his glory. These were, these were perfect conditions for the manifest glory of God. And these were perfect conditions for God to do his first miracle that he didn't even really know that he was going to do in that wedding. Mary told him what to do. Well, she didn't actually, but she set up the moment. We'll talk about that in a moment. But how do we access the glory of God? How do you and I access the manifest glory of God in our lives? Can I say, I feel like half the body of Christ is backslidden. I feel like half the body of Christ haven't been near the glory of God in 10 years. We, we sing about the glory of God. We clap our hands. But that manifest power of God alive in our life on Monday through Saturday seems so foreign. It seems so, so distant. And I, I, I want to live near the glory. What's the glory? It's, it's the kabod. It's the weight of God, that, that weight of heaven. It's on your words. I feel like when I preach, I don't want to preach Pastor Keith, Pastor George, Pastor Bruce. I don't want to preach messages where there's no weight to it. Where the, because that weight 
I, I can, I can be. There's so many talking. He- I'm getting opinionated this morning. There's so many talking heads. I've got Christian TV. You change the channel, talking head. There's another talking head. But every now and then you flick on, and there's someone that comes on. There's weight on it. You can feel what they're saying. I remember one day I was watching this guy, and he's shouting and screaming, and I was just thinking, man, he's just making all this noise. And I, and and uh, he's praying for the sick. And one guy gets up, you touch me, and you healed me. He's saying to the preacher, and I was thinking, well, if you got healed, it was Jesus. And all of this, and then the next minute I flick over, and on comes a, 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 a quite a quirky preacher in a white suit, and his name's Benny Hinn. And, and some of you might have a negative opinion of it, but you've got to stop looking at YouTube for your for your understanding of who people are. This guy's legit, and he walks on, and, and, and this woman walks up, and she goes, Pastor Benny, they said, this woman's been healed of cancer, and, and God's touched her body. And she says to him, she said, when you, when you prayed, you healed me. And Benny said, I didn't heal you. He said, it was my master. It was Jesus. It was, and he starts talking about, he goes, I can't, he he goes, I can't even put a bandaid on straight. I can't even help someone with a cold. He said, but I know the one who can. And his name's Jesus. And he starts saying to the church, just whisper his name, speak his name. And as I'm watching that, I saw a comparison of of noise versus weightiness. And I want the weight of God in our church today during praise and worship. I felt the weight of God in the atmosphere. I I, I believe this church, I want to wait. Maybe this might seem like a a strange joining. Why do people fall? out under the power sometimes because there's a weight I, I don't know there's sometimes we yield to the spirit and just flow with the holy ghost sometimes you don't have a choice why there's a weight of god's glory i want to live in the weight of his glory i want to live with the manifest glory of god in our church i feel his presence even here today the weight of god and how do we access uh, the glory of god I, I see in this passage i see uh, conditions perfect conditions for the manifest glory of god six uh, six perfect conditions for the manifest glory of God. Number one is an invitation. Somebody say an invitation. invitation. Jesus hadn't been invited to the wedding. I don't know that we'd ever be reading this story because he probably wouldn't have even known about it because he wasn't there. But Jesus and his disciples were invited. Can I keep it simple and just say if if we finally get to a space in our life where we realize we've run out of wine, I'm not saying it's too late to go to Jesus, but the ideal conditions are going to Jesus before you ever run out. See, often we might face sickness, we might face challenge, we might face problems, and we really lean on Jesus once the wine has run out. Once our natural provisions, our natural abilities have run out, then we talk to Jesus. I want to encourage you. We've got to invite Jesus in the very outset of our lives. Invite Jesus into the time of celebration. Have Jesus in the center of it when provision's there. Have Jesus in the center of everything when everything's going good. Some of us, we only lean on Jesus when there's a problem. We'll notify you, Jesus, when we need you. But until then, you're not invited to the birthday party. And I'm telling you, Jesus is a good guest because when he comes, he brings gifts. When you invite Jesus into your life, he comes and he brings gifts. He brings the gifts of the Spirit. He brings the power of God. He brings the blessing of heaven. Can I encourage you today? Let's not leave Jesus off the party list. Let's not leave Jesus out of the banquet. I, I tell you, anything I'm doing, I want Jesus invited. I want to set up a Facebook group and make sure Jesus is added to the group and say, come to the party. Can I tell you, there was a day when I was a little boy and when I was even a teenager, we didn't have Facebook to invite people. I get invitations to parties on Facebook that I don't even know I've got. I don't turn up and then people are mad at me. Why didn't you come to this? I didn't know. I sent you a Facebook invitation. Well, I didn't read it. 
I remember the good old days, friends, where you'd go to the news agency and you'd buy a pad that would have about 10 uh, invitations that you could just fill in all the details for all of your friends. You could never have more than 10 because your parents' budget never allowed you to go to 13 or 14. And so you'd have your friends. I remember for my birthday party in grade two, I had it at the Buckingham Arms. You remember that? They still have that donut machine that makes all the... We should take our boys there. They make the cinnamon donuts. They come up... They're like little puffs of glory, you know? And, and, so, and so I remember I remember inviting my friends. I got Josh Greenwood was one of the friends. I had my friend Victor there, and I stole his glasses at the party, and he cried. I think he swore at me, but it was a great party. <laughs> but I started writing little invitations on there, dear such and such, and, and it says date. You put the date, the location, and you would give it to the person. You would invite them. None of this Facebook rubbish where people go, come to the most important thing in my life, and it's a Facebook group, and you don't even know about it, and you feel like you're not invited, and you're suffering rejection because you haven't checked. This is the real deal where you'd give a party. It would say RSVP. We don't even know what it stands for, but we were, and we go, and we go, and it's just how you do business, and, and you respond. And if you're invited, you respond as well. Anyway, I'm saying, well, I know the 9 o'clock crowd are Agree. This is how you roll. The 11 o'clock, they're, they're hopeless. <laughs> but here's the thing. Oregon, we don't really make the effort to invite Jesus intentionally into the affairs of our life. A lot of us are Christians, but totally unspiritual. I want to invite Jesus into my home. I want him in my world. I want him in, in my decision making. I, I, don't, I don't want to make decisions, have problems, and then go, Jesus, uh, can you get involved here? Well, I wasn't invited. I've gone to the Smith's party down the road. And they didn't run out of wine, did they? You should have thought that. Through. No, thank God is a God of grace. And we can call on him at any point. But I want to encourage you, if you want to live in that sustained place of faith where God's glory is manifest in your life, send the invitation to Jesus. And it actually starts with the original invitation to invite Christ to flood your life and flood your heart in the name of Jesus. And you know, interestingly enough, Jesus loves a good party. He even says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in heaven, Luke 15, 10, when a, when a sinner gets saved, the Bible says uh, all the angels rejoice over one sinner who gets saved. God's into celebration. He's into getting together and feasting and having conversations together and enjoying one another's company. If you're having a party, make sure Jesus is on the guest list because yeah, he's, he's the one that will come to a party. Psalm 30 verse 11 tells us, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. God is a God of celebration. Number two, I love this. This this is my favorite point in this message. Number two, an ingredient, a condition for the manifest glory of God is a problem. And you might be sitting here and say, I've got a lot of problems. Good. Because you're a candidate for an intervention of God. Without a problem, you don't really get a miracle. I mean, you might be sitting here perfectly well. You don't really need one. I mean, you want continued wellness, all of those things. But problems are an ingredient in most miracles. They, 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 are, they are important. So you might be sitting here, you don't know the problems I've got. No, I don't. But I do know if you've got problems, you're a candidate for a miracle from God. And we've all got problems. I mean, I can list off 100 problems in two minutes. My cat bit me. My son bit me. My mother bit me. I'm just getting bitten by everybody. Can I tell you, we all face problems. I look through scripture and look at the miracles of Jesus. Every single one of the New Testament miracles of Jesus came at the response of a problem. Have a look, have a look at this. Mankind needed a savior. Problem. Mankind needs a savior. Answer. Mary falls pregnant supernaturally. 
Problem. Peter needed tax money. Answer. Jesus put fish in it. Put, yeah, that one. Problem. A man's lame, 38 years, needing a miracle and had no one to help him. Answer. Jesus told him to take up his bed and walk. Problem. A widow at Nain had lost her son. Answer. Jesus raised him to life. Problem. Ten men have leprosy. Answer. Jesus healed them. Problem. Lazarus had died. That's a big problem. As far as problems go, that's possibly the biggest of the problems. Answer. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Problem. The sea was angry that day, my friend. Jesus said, peace be still. Problem. A woman has an issue of blood 12 years. Answer. She touched the hem of his garment. Problem. 5,000 people forgot their lunch. Answer. Jesus steals a boy's lunch and feeds them all. Problem. They had run out of wine. Answer. Jesus says, bring me those water pots. Problem. I'm not smart enough. Problem. I'm not educated enough. Problem. I'm not good looking enough. Problem. I'm not charismatic enough. Problem. I'm not physically well enough. Problem. I'm sick. Problem. I'm broke. Problem. I'm depressed. Problem. I'm lonely. If you're all of those things, you you really do have some problems, but two out of three is okay. But can I tell you, if you're in those spaces, the good news is you're in perfect conditions for the manifest glory of God. And the answer, come on somebody, give Jesus a praise for a minute. Invite Jesus to the party. Because he's a great problem solver. It's our job as a church. Can I, can I say this? It's off the topic. Some of, you, some of you don't know what the call of God is for your life. You don't actually know what it is that God's called you to. I can guarantee you that the call of God that God has called you to meet has a lot to do with the problems that frustrate you most in the world around and about me. I can tell you the problem that, that I feel God's called me to solve across... Uh, the world and locally locally is that our city needs Jesus. Globally, it's that the church needs to be Pentecostal in the power of God. There's a problem that I feel God's called me to solve. And can I say, I feel like whatever problem ministers and reaches the depth of your heart, find out what that problem is and be the best at solving it. That's called ministry. Some of us, we're looking, we, we, we think ministries, all the, all the other stuff, it starts there and you watch what God will do in your life. Your assignment is often linked to a problem that God's called you to solve. Number three, another perfect condition. In this, we see a voice. John 2, 3. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Mary presented Jesus with a problem. It's interesting. She never tells Jesus what to do, but she knew. Now, I honor Mary as the mother of Jesus, but we don't deify her. But she knew something. Can I say, I watched Donna with the boys, and, and she, they, they can be like one cry. They'll be, they'll be crying and... She doesn't do anything. There can be another cry, which sounds the same as the other cry to me. And I wouldn't even even hear it. She's on the other side of the house and she bolts like lightning. And they know, they know their kids in a way that only a mum can. And G, Mary, even though uh, she's only a human, all of those things, that was her son. So she knew, she knew she carried him for nine months. She knew what his destiny was. And the Bible tells us, this is an interesting scripture in Luke chapter 2, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She'd spent 30 years and nine months pondering who Jesus was. She knew 
excuse me, she knew the reason he came. She knew, knew what he came to do. And so she recognised as his mum a moment. But it's interesting, his mother presented the problem, but of course Jesus obviously consulted his father and his father said, go and do it. And so then Jesus says, okay. But she says, whatever he says to do, do it. That's the greatest advice that anyone can ever be given in the world. Whatever this says to do, do it. You want to live a blessed life? Just obey the Bible. Everyone wants to do everything else, but read and obey the Bible. Just do what God says and you'll be blessed. I promise you, you'll be blessed. You believe that this morning. And so she was a voice. You know, I have one thing in common, but it's different with Mary. Mary was a carrier of Jesus. She carried him physically, but we carry him spiritually. And so we know when there's things that we need to present to our maker, we know. And you know, faith has a voice. And in this case, Mary was that voice. She spoke. And faith brings a challenge to Jesus. There might be a challenge in the room. Bring the challenge. Voice it. God, there's an issue. She didn't tell Jesus to do it. She just said, Jesus, there's a problem. And he says, what do you want me to do? And he was about to step into a ministry because there was a voice that pulled on Jesus, that grabbed a hold of Jesus by faith. And then Jesus does a miracle supernaturally. There's a voice. And then we see, number four, we see a container. I don't have too much time to get into, into this as deep as I'd like, but a container. It says, bring the water pots. You know, I, I really do believe that not only do we need to teach on the anointing, but we need to teach people how to be containers. As water's poured in, wine is poured out. And you know, the truth is, a lot of us, we come to church, but we still don't necessarily come with the faith to receive a, and contain a supernatural release of the power of God in our life. The Bible says, draw with joy from the wells of salvation. Some of us don't even know that we can. We, we, we forgot our bucket. We didn't even know we had a bucket. Maybe there's a hole in your bucket. I don't know. But can I tell you right now, uh, as the household of faith, I believe God's raising us to be a church that know how to receive the anointing and touch God and, and be containers. I want to be a container uh, for the anointing of God. I, I kind of want to be a vessel that God flows through, but I want to get some along the way. I want to carry uh, the anointing of God. And, and they, they got the those containers and they filled them to the brim. Can I say that's how I want to live? I want to be so full of the water of God that what pours out of me is the wine of heaven. It's a wine of provision. It's a wine of blessing, full and overflowing with the power of God. I love that they had faith. They didn't just fill the water up. Oh, we'll put a bit of water in it. See what they filled that thing to the brim. Okay, God, we're going to squeeze every dollar that we can out of this miracle in the name of Jesus. Can I say, church, do you know how to receive from God? Do you know, do you know how to receive from God on an altar call? Some people, they, you go, well, that person, they just, they get touched every week. Yeah, because they've learned. They've learned to receive. I'll tell you one thing. I've never, ever disrespected somebody that gets touched at an altar all the time. Because I, I know I have to live. I can't, I can't function without that touch. I need that touch from heaven. The amount of times I go to an altar call because I want to receive from heaven. It's important because I want to be a container. I want, I want to contain the anointing of God. And, you know, it's interesting. There, there, was, there was so many containers. The more space we create, for God's provision, he'll bless us. We can create room for miracles in our giving, in our confession, in our openness to the Holy Spirit. We can be containers. Some of us are asking God to fill vessels that we've never given to him. We've never given him the vessel of our time. We've never given him the vessel of our offering. And we're saying, God, why aren't you filling this vessel? Because he says, you haven't given me one. 
See, that was an amen right there. That was God texting. It's like the happiest text message ever. Your phone goes, and then you read it. I hate you. So many emotions. That was not God saying, I hate you, by the way. I was studying this message and the fifth, fifth, fifth thought was difficult because I couldn't actually find the word. The one who draws, are they called the drawer? The drawer? I don't know. There is no English word, but I'm making one up. We've got containers and then we've got drawers, those that draw the wine. Can I encourage you? Let's be people who know how to draw the wine of God into our lives. Draw the power of God into our lives. Draw the anointing of God into our lives. That heaven comes into our into our spirit. Penny, maybe you want to come. That God's power, God's presence, God's spirit floods our life. I want to draw an anointing. You know, in the room today, as I'm worshiping God, I'm placing a demand on the anointing. I'm drawing something from heaven. I'm seeing God do something. I'm feeling his presence and, and, and knowing that God has something in store for us. When I come to church, I want to, I want to draw from heaven the power of God. I know. I'm, do you know the crazy thing? What I'm saying may, may for some just, for others, you know exactly what I mean because you've made room in your life for the anointing of God. And so it means something to take time. So I'm drawing the presence of God. How do you do it? By faith, God, fill me with your spirit. Let your presence touch my heart and touch my life. You've got to draw. You've got to draw the anointing of God. You've got to draw his presence. And sixth thought is, is that the other ingredient is there was, there was a winemaker. You know, I know people are going to argue this because they have for 2,000 years, but... My best understanding of this scripture is that when they, said to, when they said to the master, and by master I mean the master of ceremonies, not Jesus, lowercase master, they said to him, you saved the best wine for last. You know, his disciples saw the miracle. The servants definitely saw the miracle. The master of the house saw the miracle. But ultimately, those that were there, all they were able to do is say, oh, this is great wine. They were so inebriated on the wine that they miss the winemaker. You know when churches get weird in the spirit is when they're so inebriated on the wine that their eyes are not on the winemaker. If in a revival, people's eyes aren't pointing to Jesus, but they're pointing to the, the feeling, the reaction, we just get off center. You know, historically, we sit back because we've, we know who the winemaker is, so we see the beauty in that story. But you know, there's people that were there that night that never realized who it was that brought that provision. To me, that is a great tragedy. I pray. I want the wine. I want the wine of God's blessing and provision. I want all of those things. But I don't want to get so drunk on God's goodness that I, I stop seeing Jesus. And you know, as a church, I, I feel like we live inebriated sometimes. Because God is so good to us. And He really is that we, think, we, we don't praise Him like we should. We're not worshipping Him like we should. Some Sunday mornings, our worship team have to almost beg the church to worship God. It's not okay. We should be in this place going, the wine's great, but I've got to, to see the winemaker today. I've come, I've, come, I've come to talk to the winemaker. I've come to praise him. I've come to magnify him because he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And, and, and can I say, he still turns water to wine. He still changes things. He still turns things around by the power of God. And he's a good God. And what he did then, he can do now. Maybe right now, you need God to turn some things into wine in your life. Maybe you need provision. Can I tell you, this miracle is one of the most, when you, when you really study this miracle, it's one of the most powerful miracles from God. 
I, I want to encourage you, let's not get so drunk on what he does that we lose sight of who he is. I mean, what he does is great. It's keeping that balance, isn't it? It's saying, God, I, I enjoy your goodness, but my eyes are on you. You know, I've seen the goodness of God in my life this year in, in many ways, you know, and God, God's been so kind to Donna and me, and, and we, we're grateful. But can I tell you, not, no way am I trying to sound like I've, I've mastered everything, but I, I don't think I've ever, ever been more aware of the winemaker. I don't think I've ever been more aware of his goodness. I feel the anointing more than I've ever felt his presence. I talk to him. I mean, and I want to live in that space, but I want us as a church to come into this space where the winemaker is turning the water of our spirit into wine, but we're not so hooked on the wine that we've stopped looking at him. Now, when I talk about wine, I'm not talking about manifestation of God's spirit. I'm talking about everything he does. Church, this is wine. We're sitting here just having, having wine together. But our eyes should still be on the winemaker. Some of us were so busy building the kingdom, doing church, building church. We're serving. We're running our connect groups. We're, we're doing our stuff. We couldn't do what we do without you doing that. Our worship team who ministered this morning got home after midnight last night because they were ministering up in, even I asked God where it was. He didn't know, but we, Siri did. And so we got there. But, but at the end of the day, why were they doing that? Because, because we, we want to expose people to the winemaker. You know, something, they're tired today, but can I tell you, I still felt the winemaker walk into the room. I felt like he's with us and he's talking to us. That's it. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. And... Why don't we stand? We're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray. Maybe, can we get the worship team up here? I know I, we didn't really plan necessarily to sing a big song at the end, but we're going to worship the Lord for a minute. We're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. This is my conviction on this song. I love the song. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Any song about the Holy Spirit. It could, it could be the most lame song, but if it's about the Holy Spirit, I'm going to love it. But can I, can I say this? Sometimes we sing that song and we sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in this room. We're going to sing it right now, but I want you to welcome him here. Right now, speak for yourself and say, God, in my world, I want your presence to come. Can I ask you to lift up your hands toward God? God's going to move in this place. We're just going to take a little bit of time and just enjoy the anointing of God's Spirit. The winemaker's in the house. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.